0: Um, do you have your bibles with you hey amen well here's the thing right i realized that i got to the end of it and i don't really have a text for today (laughs) actually i do but i'm going to get there right at the end so if you've got a Bible, you might like to turn to hebrews chapter 12 and have that ready because i'm going to get there eventually Uh, i felt a tad guilty because it's not one of those sermons that's based in a particular text it's not expositional preaching Uh, i've never quite figured out what that is but i think that's what that is um but I, I, um, I do hope that God's got something to share this morning. I, when I sat down to write this, I, I, these are the kind of ones I love writing because I get a bit of, well, I just sit down and I just start writing. Um, if you have a text in front of you and we're preaching through a text, then, then you have to start with the text, um, which is a really good discipline and a really good thing to do. Um, But sometimes when you're doing an introduction, you've got a bit of flexibility and you can go wherever you want and that's the bit I love. Um, Now, this made sense to me when I wrote it, (laughs) I'm not sure it's going to make any sense to anybody else. So, you've just got to hang in there. Here's a question for you and you may answer briefly, what did you learn from Ecclesiastes. What amazing, how amazing life is. That's a good answer. Say it. I mean, that's quite good. Pardon? Enjoy life. Enjoy life. Yeah, absolutely. What really matters? What really matters? Pardon? God has, God has this. You might need to go and ask Julia what that means afterwards. But I'm not going to let you tell them now, because it's my show. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> God has this I like, I'm like. i intrigued I'm going to find out yeah I, I mean i I've, I was really challenged by it I don't know if you're in the habit of reading Justin's blog um, I, I'm not actually but some people emailed it to me um, and he talks really candidly and honestly about how you know. remember chapter 2 where death is the thing that comes along and haunts us remember those balloons we had and death comes along and goes bang 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 And he writes honestly about having to face that and how God can meet you. Um, Good. Well, that was the teacher. So we're going to look up at the teacher in the next bit. The, the, The Bible, the story of God, begins with these extraordinarily powerful words. In the beginning, God created. These extraordinarily powerful words changed everything. These extraordinarily powerful words tell us about God's heart. These extraordinarily powerful words tell us what was in God's mind. God himself, the all-powerful, the all-loving, the almighty God, was wonderfully complete in himself. You, You just sang... I stand in awe of you. We stand in awe of God because he is wonderfully complete in himself. There was nothing that God needed to make him happy or at peace or fulfilled. God was completely, no, he was wonderfully complete in himself. Actually, he could be completely complete. That's probably okay. Wonderfully complete in himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In God there was always a moving of love, from Father to Son, from Son to Spirit, from Spirit to Father. God in himself has never known anguish, heartbreak, pain, grief, hurt of a broken relationship. That comes a little bit later. But God in himself had never known disappointment, loneliness, betrayal, injustice, frustration, God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit were wonderfully complete. If you can grasp that, this is a bit of a tangent, but if you can grasp that, you can begin to grasp the depth of Jesus' cry on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was new. And if you don't think God can learn anything, go to that text. But God had something on his heart and something on his mind. The nature of love is to give. God, wonderfully complete in love, had something he wanted to share. So, in the beginning, God created. God, in his wonderful love, wanted to share that love and give that love. So God, in the beginning, created. In the beginning, God created so that people like you and me, and here's where it gets really, really good, could share and participate in God's most wonderful love. Boom. There you have it. He wants you and me to share and participate in his most wonderful love. Truth is... You have always been in God's heart and always in God's mind. Always. (laughs) God out of love created a world in which we could participate with God and that's what he invites us to do every day of the week. But love is a choice. Adam and Eve made a choice. A choice not out of love but out of the pride of their hearts. A choice that wrecked everything. Sin still wrecks everything, doesn't it? God's heart is broken. Hear the cry of God's heart as he reaches and searches for Adam and Eve as they hide themselves from his presence. Genesis chapter 3. Where are you? God asks as he walks in the cool of the day in the garden. What have you done? God asks. Adam and Eve, you and me, live in the consequences of not choosing love. But God, as he did in the beginning, still wants us to live in his bigger and far better story. God's love still gives. And the story of God in the Bible is the story of God reaching to his people so that they might live in his bigger and better story, the one actually he created them for. We read the story of God always moving towards his people, wooing them, helping them, rescuing them, choosing them, providing for them, sustaining for them, protecting them, loving them. We read the story of people who always seem to move away from God, doing their own thing, in their own way, trying desperately to live well. And as we've seen from Ecclesiastes, if you do that without God, it doesn't work. We read the story of God constantly reminding his people that to live in his bigger and better story is simply the best way to live. We read the story of God desperately wanting his people to see that there is another story than the one they see in front of them. His story. We read the story of God's heart of love waiting, hoping, longing, forgiving, Welcoming, leading, guiding. We read the story of God's heart that simply says, if you remember this from Ezekiel, come back to me, it's better that way. We read the story of God's heart of love as he gives himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He loves wonderfully. He gives magnificently. One Old Testament very wise teacher said that the best way to live is to have God's heart. To see the way, see the world the way God sees it. That, he said, is the best perspective to live in. Jesus came and showed God's heart, his Father's heart, He said, follow me, because that is simply the best way to live. Jesus lived an extraordinary, ordinary life. He lived an extraordinary, ordinary life because he had his father's heart, and he lived in his father's bigger and better story. The best way to live is to follow Jesus, to live like him, and to have a heart like his. The teacher, the wise one, the one who tried an experiment with life and said, live life backwards, he pointed us to live in God's bigger and better story. Jesus, the great teacher, came as God's bigger and far better story. He said, my father loves you, And he loves you just the way you are. He said, when you flee or hide from God and you come back, you will be most welcome. He said, it doesn't matter what you do, whether you ignore God or despise him or reject him or disobey him, He will love you just the same. He said it's not success or riches or accomplishments or even faith that matters. It's your heart. He said the best way to live is to have a heart like his. Because when you have a heart like his, you truly live in God's bigger and better story. You live when you have a heart like his as you were really intended to live. Jesus, the great teacher, said it this way. I have come that you may have life in all its fullness. So the question the teacher asks is this. How is your heart? You might have noticed that although they ask it in very different ways, both the teacher and the teacher are really asking the same question. And the question is how is your heart? You will know how much you live in God's bigger and better story by how your heart is. So how's your heart this morning? Just as it did in the beginning, God's love, God's heart still reaches to you. Just as it did in the beginning, still sin still wreaks havoc. And God sees just what it does in you and me. God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to want to leave you like that. His heart is for us to live more and more and more in God's bigger and far better story. Writer Max Lucado has a really challenging thought. He asks this question. What if for one day Jesus were to become you? Think about that for a moment. Everything about you would be exactly the same. You would face the same situations. You would have the same family. You would do the same job or the same things. You'd have the same talents, the same abilities, the same history, the same body and the same physical health. It would be you with the same hopes, the same fears, the same worries and the same concerns. There would only be one thing that would be different. It would be exactly the same person, but with Jesus' heart. Jesus would live your life, but he would live it with his heart. What would you be like? would anybody notice a change? How would you be different? How might Jesus' heart affect that right now in these moments, you are dreading? How might Jesus' heart affect the way you see your money, your possessions, your career, your ambitions? How might Jesus' heart affect how you view the future? If if Jesus lived in your body with his heart, how might it affect what's in your in your diary. Who you spend your time with. Where you choose to go. What you choose to do. If Jesus lived in your body with his heart, how might it affect the people you know and spend time with week by week? Would those people notice a change? Would they notice anything different about you? If Jesus lived in your body with his heart, would the poor notice anything? The outcast, the lonely, the unloved? Certainly worth thinking about, don't you think? God loves you just the way you are but he loves you too much to leave you as you are. I absolutely love this story. I've read it a couple of times and I looked it up to see when I last read it and then decided I'm going to read it again because I don't know a better one. A Jewish couple had a son after many years of trying and he was a great joy to them. They named him Mordecai But he became quite a challenge to them. They were pious Jews, yet Mordecai Mordecai was a rambunctious, zestful boy who had a love of life. When he was old enough, his parents sent him to the synagogue to learn the word of God. They stressed to him how important it was to learn God's word, and that without it, knowledge of it, his life would be less. He listened, but the next day he never arrived at the synagogue. Instead, he found himself in the woods, swimming in the lake and climbing the trees. By the time he got home, news of his antics had spread all through the village. Everyone knew of his shame. His parents were at a loss as to what to do. They called in an expert to modify Mordecai's behaviour. But the next day, he found himself in the woods, swimming in the lake and climbing the trees. His parents grieved for his son and felt that there was simply no hope for him. As it happened, the great rabbi was visiting the village and the parents of Mordecai went to him in desperation. They told him the story and the rabbi invited them to leave Mordecai with him. He said, leave him with me and I will have a talk with him. Unsure and ashamed, they left the boy with the rabbi. Mordecai faced the great rabbi trembling. He beckoned the boy to come to him and then he simply and gently picked him up and held him silently to his heart. The next day Mordecai went to the synagogue and when he finished, he went to the woods and swam in the lake and he climbed the trees. Only this time, as he walked in the woods, the word of God became one with the word of the woods, which became one with the words of Mordecai. And as he swam in the lake, the words of God became one with the words of the lake, which became one with the words of Mordecai. As he climbed the trees, the word of God became one with the word of the trees, which became one with the words of Mordecai. And more decay, I grew to become a great man. People who were seized with panic came to him and found peace. People who were without anybody came to him and found communion. People who had no exits came and found a way out. And when people came to him, he said, I first learned the words of God when the great rabbi held me silently against his heart. Walking in love is being held silently against the heart of God. Who loves you? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. God so longs for us to live in his bigger and far better story. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read it from the message version. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it, strip down, start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished the race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. Seems to me, friends, to be held to the heart of God is to fix our eyes on Jesus and to learn from him. So in the days to come, in this series, we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. An extraordinary, ordinary life. An extraordinary, ordinary life of the teacher. We're going to study him and we're going to learn from him. But most of all what we're going to do is we're going to draw close to the heart of God through drawing alongside the heart of the great teacher. And we're going to ask him to change our hearts. Jesus' heart was a forgiving heart. Jesus' heart was a compassionate heart. Jesus' heart was a listening heart. Jesus' heart was an honest heart. Jesus' heart was a pure heart. Jesus' heart was a heart filled with hope. Jesus' heart was a rejoicing heart. Jesus' heart is an enduring heart. The teacher wanted us to live well and wisely in the light of the truth about God's bigger and far better story and he chose words carefully and gave them to us as words of delight. That's why we bring our Bibles. Jesus, the great teacher, wants us to live life to the full in the truth of God's bigger and better story and in the truth that his death brings us life. He wants us to be drawn to God's heart because that is his heart. And when we live with heart with his heart, we can in fact live life to the full. We can live as God intended. So, Crawley Baptist Church. Bursting with life. Life in God flows from his heart. So let your heart be held silently to the heart of the God who loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. you. Because he loves you. And as you fix your eyes on Jesus and become more and more like him, your heart will become a more forgiving heart. Your heart will become a more compassionate heart. Your heart will become a more listening heart. Your heart will become a more honest heart your heart will become purer. Your heart will be more and more filled with hope. Your heart will be a more rejoicing heart. Your heart will become a more enduring heart. And maybe Crawley Baptist Church really will become a church that is bursting with life in all its fullness. So friends, you have to decide what you're going to do. People are going to stand up here week by week and they're going to teach. And they're going to teach from the life of the great teacher. And the rest is up to you. You have to decide if week by week you're going to come here and you're going to allow yourself to be held to the heart of God. And if you do that, God promises that he'll meet you. And if you do that, God promises that he'll change your heart. But love is a choice. And God won't choose to impose himself on you. He'll let you come and then he'll meet you. I'm going to pray. Father, we ask that as we come week by week in the weeks that lie ahead, you will help us to draw near to you help us to hear your heart and Father help us to have the courage to allow you to work in our hearts and our minds that we may become people who really are living in your bigger and better story living as you intended and bursting with life